Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, your daily companion. That is where you're joining us from this afternoon. My family, heat stroke, that is the topic. Uh, Let's find out, uh, whilst we're waiting for Doc to join us on the line, uh, let's find out um, exactly what we mean. What do we mean when we talk about heat stroke? Uh, Let me get the definition of heat stroke um, and uh, let's see if we can can try and figure it out, you and I, my family. So heat stroke occurs when the body can no longer control its temperature. That's that's serious, eh? The body's temperature rises rapidly, the sweating mechanism fails, and the body is unable to cool down. When heat stroke occurs, the body temperature can rise above, can rise to um, a certain whatever. I don't want to talk about Fahrenheit because we don't do Fahrenheit in South Africa. <laughs> or higher within 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm reading uh, from uh, CD C.gov, um, talking about heat stress related illnesses. And let's see if Dr. Mati Mediale can help us uh, really, really delve deep into this subject. Uh, Doc, good afternoon and uh, thank you for giving us your time. <laughs> good afternoon, Your Excellency, and Merry Christmas to those that have been following yeah, me. Yeah. And we're looking forward for the prosperous new year. I think next year should be a better, better, better year. We right. should be blessed in abundance. Yeah. And the Lord hasn't forgotten us. He's still with us. Even if it's today, it might be raining in this area where I am. Mm. But in the last few days, we did experience some extreme temperatures, mm. Mm. which was mm. make, going to make this topic today so much relevant when I talk about heat stroke. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, Your Excellency, uh, before we get into heat stroke, I'm really looking forward to it, right? I just want to ask you two uh, questions. First of all, Merry Christmas, and I really do... Uh, you and I have spoken. I know, you know, uh, it's, it, it gets better every year, right? Uh, Christmas, uh, especially without our loved ones, it gets better every year. So I really hope that you enjoyed um, uh, this past Christmas with your family. And uh, secondly, somebody was saying to me, Your Excellency, that, Hi, um, my Christmas, I saw funny, you know. But you see, Excellency, it was, it was people in our age group. So you don't know what has happened to Christmas. <laughs> Can we please just trace Christmas back? What exactly has happened to Christmas? Uh, well, many times Christmas depends on your lifestyle and it depends where you are. Remember, yeah. some other things we outgrow them. In the past, you know, me and you used to receive gifts and we we're looking for Santa Claus, Father <laughs> Christmas and all the like. And yeah. now that we are parents and we are parenting, yeah. we happen to be the purchasers of those things and we want to make other people happy. So it means that, you know, when the balls shift, when the ground shift as well, also our mentality shifts because in the past we are receiving. Now we, we need to be spending right. now. <laughs> And you start realizing that Christmas, it could be so much exaggerated. It's so much, one day. <laughs> and when you talk of the economic spin-off from that, if you are not in business, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. But generally, you know, it's one day, maximum 12 hours, <laughs> and you need to spend it almost every hour. For example, if you're hosting people that mm-hmm. come to you, even mm-hmm. they can bring a bottle of wine. But you still have to make sure that the condiments are there, things that goes with wines right. they are there, and all this in the economic thing. And also, it goes more than what you guys are sitting, what mm. you're talking about. Mm, mm. And unfortunately, in this area where we are, we cannot avoid politicking or talking mm. about 
even if when you talk of Jesus, we somehow politicize him, especially if you've got people that are from different denominations, mm, 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 <laughs> where mm. they try and monopolize Jesus, where Hundreds. they try to make Jesus a franchisee. Mm, so mm, mm, <laughs> all those debates and discussion, they can be very heavy. And we try to, to, to avoid those things. That is why many times you say Christmas is becoming different every mm. year and every year. So I can imagine at 80 years. Mm. What does Christmas mean for her? Right. Right. Hey, you know, I, I for think... her, it could be a terrible, terrible time of the year because Makulu might be very, very lonely and very vulnerable mm. because... Mm. Mm. My challenge, anyone can just buzz in as on Bulala or can buzz him as on Raper. Uh, you know, there are so many mm. things that goes with the package called Christmas. And we got a narrow mind and a narrow sense of Christmas that sometimes we forget about those vulnerable people. Mm. And I know my white folks, when it's like this, they got a tendency to book my mom. In a, in a hospital where yeah. I know that you'll be having She'll Christmas, you'll be, be having three meals, and then we can start planning for surgery for her next year while she's in hospital, while I'm away on certain things. And besides, medical aid is paying for that particular thing mm. as well. So you have to be nice and good to your surgeon, to your doctors, that I can actually convert the hospital into hospitality, which will be more or something else, sure. just to cater for those type of groups. So you know, Christmas is very small. <laughs> sure, no, you know what, Doc, let me tell you, Your Excellency, that is such a rich perspective. It's such a rich perspective, and I always say perspective is everything. I mean, wow. I think I'm going to be spending my Christmas with the medical fraternity next year. I've just decided, actually, sitting right here <laughs> in this chair. I'm going to be... I, yeah, I'm going to be identifying a hospital or two that I'm going to vacillate between. Uh, you know, and just, just really just just be hands and feet, you know? Uh, you've really, Ooh. thank you for that. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's really triggered. Uh, just yeah, thinking no, about... the project next year, 2024, we start from January, planning right. for December. Yes, you're And excellent. then we can ask the surgeon, when it comes first week of December, we decant, we don't do surgery. People have run out of medical aid that we're converting that into something else. It could be wow. a nice shelter for, especially for the elderly. Your Excellency, mm. that is no, no, no. But let's not let's not talk about it on air. Now people are going to hear our plans. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so we were also talking. I'm trying to bring you into our conversation, Your Excellency. So we're also talking about. Um, we were also talking about Christmas, right? Or I was talking about Christmas and uh, and uh, you know the the process between. You know, just the whole Christmas Day lunch and the meals and the what, what, and what. And when it actually starts manifesting in the body. Now, unlike, um, excuse me, um, very hard substances like your alcohol for the body, I know there's certain things like your vitamin B shots that can sort of help the body, you know, absorb the alcohol and whatever. And this is by no means, my family, uh, a conversation to encourage people, you know, to drink alcohol, please. I'm just saying that there's certain substances that when you, when you take them into the body, there's other vitamins that you can take, you know, for the body to be able to handle it. But I don't know if, if, if there's something like that with food, you know. I mean, food starts showing up when you when you eat and overeat. So what's that process looking like between the time that I am going to eat my lamb, chicken, pork, sausage, <laughs> trifle, ton, 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 and the time that my waist starts bulging? Okay. Well, 
That's a million-dollar loaded question, but it depends also on what you eat, at what time you're eating. Yeah. And the underlying problem is, is the rate, what you call metabolism, mm-hmm. which at the rate at which your enzymes and your hormones are able to help you to digest, to break that down. Mm-hmm. For example, if you eat isonga is dry, uh, bread, you mm-hmm. know, if you eat bread now, and then within... To get into your tummy, it will take about maybe it's a minute so because of peristalsis. And once it gets into your tummy, the enzymes are beginning to work. By the time you get to your large and small intestine, within two hours, it should be there. Mm-hmm. And it also it can stay there. If you eat fatty food, some other state, they may not be digested. It just goes from the tummy, from the stomach into your stomach, into the small intestine. But already within an hour they're already learning your 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 your, your intestine. But in some other cases, we also advise people that if you know your metabolism, take it easy, don't try and rush, don't try and gallop, mm. because if you eat anything like you're ingesting, you're galloping, you know, you're going, and you, <laughs> mm, then they stay in your stomach, and when they stay in your stomach, because your stomach by nature is acidic, then you might get an ulcer, you might get a heartburn, and you're, you become suffering from what you call indigestion. Mm. So you may not mm. enjoy if it's a three-course meal. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to your third course, you're already full because the stomach is full. Sure. And the, the, to get into that, the enzyme has been breaking down whatever you've eaten. So if you know your metabolism, you're able to pace yourself that, you know, I'm not a person of starter because if I go for starters, mm. I'll be full. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. when guys are having starters, I'll rather stimulate my, my appetite by drinking water mm. and with a dash of a lemon. Mm. And then while I'm going there, I'm paving all the way. By the time I get to the main course, also the main course, you need to know. Because things like meat, it depends whether it's well done, medium rare mm. <laughs> or rare. <laughs> also, it does take time to be digested into your stomach. So, like, so when you mention people are coming for, for, for let's say, for, for lunch. Mm-hmm. So your lunch might start at 12 and budget that you should finish eating everything, including dessert, by 4 o'clock. An hour, it's not enough. Oh, you can wow. gallop that, all of that, but it's going to cause indigestion. It's going to make you full bloated. It's going to make you suffer. And when you go to do number two, you might actually be constipated. Mm-hmm. And the rebirth of that, instead of being constipated, you might be flashing out. So sure. you're having a diarrhea. Oh, and we start wow. blaming the spices on that. So I've got spice. That one. <laughs> oh, maybe someone didn't wash her hands properly. So we start we're blaming going, the cook. <laughs> we're going to that type of discussion and that type of, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot when coming to food. But generally, an hour to two, up to four hours before you flush them out is there. And that's why you, in some other people, if you know your metabolism, it's so key that, you know, you eat and drink and talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my table manners sometimes, yes, liver disease. But, you know, you need to talk and eat and be joyful. Because their food is so nice, you should try and start a discussion that is not depressing. Oh, you know, wow. a discussion that is well so that from your brain already, you are in the zone and your process of metabolizing those food have started already by the start of that. And also your presentation of food, it has to be, I'm not saying people must go to culinary school, but it has to be appealing. <laughs> Excellency. I'm just trying to think now. So the seven color thing is still acceptable. I mean, it is appeasing to the eye. And I think a lot of us have um, a very sentimental attachment to that, right? Yes. Okay. 
okay. that also with, with the dishing excellency, mm-hmm. you know, you mustn't throw in, you must dish. You know, if it means two tablespoons, it has to be there, not more than that, to try not to expose or overexpose your stomach or your waist area. You know, sure, some is... other people, you know, they're not in school how to eat and there are certain food that you can't eat them in mass or in bulk. You got to nibble and you got to allow them to be digested properly as well. So it, it is it is a real problem. And that's why when you invite people, make sure that you got ablations that are not very far from the table. Mm. And some other people, they may throw up and spoil the party. Mm. Some other people may be rude going up and down the toilet because, you know, the, the, the enzyme are over firing. Wow, Your Excellency, that is so helpful. You know how much we judge people, um, exactly what you're talking about, uh, around table etiquette. And sometimes we don't even know how exposed people are, you know, to, to dining etiquette. Not all of us are exposed to dining etiquette. And so, mm. wow, this is really helpful. Let me just quickly go back to um, the part about uh, the, um, the, the, the news, the ambience and the actual food mm-hmm. is there a real proper like a real thing is that a real thing your excellency like a real connection that uh, you must be happy the ambience must be good when you eat is that like a real health thing no it's, it's a real health thing wow. that we try to emulate and that is why the table has to be laid before you can sit and enjoy your dinner or enjoy your supper or enjoy your breakfast and that ambience and that fragrance that might coming up, you know, it has to start stimulating your brain so that you become in the right mood of eating and be there. You know, I know my kids, they had broccoli. So yeah. we try and dish up the last one and we try to be the last dish to open up. Oh, wow. So that we, we, we try to them to eat before they can get to broccoli. Or sometimes we say in order for you to eat the good veggies, the good one is the one that you hate, that you go first so that the others can get in there. I was at the last, that broccoli, which is very good, loaded with flavonoids and antioxidants. Sure. They don't like it, the kids, you know. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't like it either. <laughs> and I'm not even a kid. <laughs> You're missing out, excellent. <laughs> Yeah, no, broccoli is good, but I mean, it's got its, it's, got its real lows, okay? Yeah. Wow, excellent. So this was really, really helpful. Can I just ask one, one last question? What's the difference um, in terms of digestion between the large intestine and the small intestine? I've always been curious. Okay. What is happening from your stomach, which is your tummy, you get into your small intestine. That is where the last phase of absorption is happening. That's where your nutrients are being absorbed. And then the large intestine, usually it stores chine. You know, what you're about to defecate or what about you excrete. Sure. That's where it's happening in the large intestine. But the small intestine, they are very important because that's where your nutrients are become absorbed into your bloodstream and they can go to different destinations where they are needed as well. So the stomach is the grinding machine and the small intestine, they are absorbed. And the large intestine, they are transporting for, for excretion for out of the system. That is amazing. And your mouth is then opening. When you start chewing that, grinding <laughs> those teeth as well, you're putting enzyme to soften them up so that you make it easy. It's like a, a warm-up before your stomach do the real thing. So it's a, it's a whole chain, right? It's a whole value chain, let me put it that way, which begins with the mouth. <laughs> Wow, Your Excellency, this is really helpful. Uh, I I kid you not, you know, uh, sometimes we grow up and we forget these things. Sometimes we don't even know these things. Very, very helpful stuff.
Now let's talk about heat. I mean, we've been experiencing, like, like you were saying, Your Excellency, that we've been experiencing so much heat uh, the past few days uh, here in Gauteng. Uh, and look, we're not really complaining. We want summer to be beautiful. We want to go out and all of that. Yeah, but it, it has its limits. Um, I'm reading here that uh, heat stroke, for example, occurs when the body can no longer control the temperature. Talk to us about heat stroke, uh, Your Excellency. Yes, when you talk about heat stroke, it's something that... I mean, at a hospital, we have seen it in number a couple of days that people are coming with heat stroke and they don't know about it. But when you talk about heat stroke, mm-hmm. the misnomer it lies around the stroke. A stroke, it has to be something that blocks you from oxygen to be transmitted. For example, if you got a stroke in your head, it blocks the function of that. If mm-hmm. it's on the right, your affection will be more on the left side. So the stroke mm-hmm. in this case, it means that your body, it's not able to function, not that it got a stroke that it makes it to be incapacitated. Mm. It just makes it to be impaired a little bit. And we call it heat stroke. It's just an illness that we see when the temperatures are adverse, when the temperatures are very adverse as well. Mm. And the cardinal sun that we see, it find that your temperature has to be high. I mean, in America, they talk of 100% or 100 Fahrenheit. But in South Africa and in Africa, you talk of degrees Celsius. When we do the body temperature, when you to make a diagnosis for a stroke, your body has to be reading about 38 to 47 degrees Celsius. Mm. And you know that's very, very high. And when you take the added temperature, we can take it under, they make it sublingual, or we can take it under your arm or in your brain. And in extreme cases that we can't speak for yourself, we may go through the rectum. And that's where the calibration would have something between 38 degrees Celsius to 48 degrees Celsius. That's when you can make a diagnosis of a heat stroke. And the history has to tell us that you've been exposing to some environmental heat mm, more than mm, anything mm. else. And that's where we make a classical uh, heat stroke. And some of the signs that we're looking at over and about body temperature, mm. we're looking at your skin. Your skin will be very, very hot. Okay. You know, it will be very hot on touch as well. And then in this case, because it's a heat stroke, you might not be sweating and then you might not be confused as well. It's just when we touch you, we feel very hot. Mm. It's like you're radiating heat and that's what you do. And when you take the heat stroke as well and talk of uh, heat stroke, there are some other things that we take into con- into consideration. And we want to know that you've been exposed to any any area where the heat was actually directly into your face or directly into your body as well. Mm. In And then we also want to know that in terms of hydration, how much water did you drink or how many liquids did you take in the last hour before you hit the stroke? Mm-hmm. And also the one that we can't avoid, we also ask about your alcohol, not because we are judgmental, sure. but we know that the consumption of alcohol, it can also cause what you call heat stroke as well. And if not alcohol, the issue of caffeinated drinks, mm. And also caffeine as well. They can also cause what you call a heat stroke as well. In some other cases, when you deal with the youth, we're not judging them. We're not putting in a box. We also, unfortunately, to ask about the use and abuse of stimulants. Mm. And one of the stimulants that could have been used in the last maybe three or four weeks as well, because it was quite cold, the, the exposure and accessibility, what you call um, maybe cough syrup which is one of the stimulants mm. that is easily available. Mm. You can get it over the counter. You can say, my mom has sent me to come and get, they know their name, Alcophonics, mm. which is loaded mm. stimulants as well. That also, it's quite common among the youth as well. And it can predispose anyone to head what you call a heat stroke. In some other cases, when I look at my geriatrics, people are over 60 years as mm. well. We look at the type of medication that you're taking, that the sun 
or the humid inside where you are, it may be a contributory factor as well. Mm-hmm. And that we call age-related physiological changes as well. We're looking at those things. And also, what you didn't ask me, Excellency, what could be other conditions that can lead to heat stroke as well? Mm. That you say, you know, I should avoid that. Maybe if I need to go to Kilimanjaro, what is the precaution <laughs> that I need to go? Mm. If I need to go to Mount Everest, what is it that I need to go? Mm. You know, and, and we find that people who are taking certain medication because of the heart restriction and attitude, we advise them accordingly. In some other cases, like in boxing and sport, people might just go two days or a week before to go and acclimatize, to go and fit mm, into that particular into pattern of the heat in that particular environment mm. as well. That also we find that it's helping. But general people are taking chronic medication and people who are known or living with what we call a chronic kidney disease on medication and they have been diagnosed as well. Those are sort of the risky because remember from our physiology or from our life sciences, the kidneys are the thermoregulators. They help us a lot. When it's extremely hot, they try and cool us down. And when it's extremely cold, they try and do the reverse as well to try and up their game as well. Mm. So it's very, very key that people might have a sound kidney, a healthy kidney that might do that. A heart also, you know, it can be manipulated one or the other. But we also encourage people must have a good heart if they're trying to avoid what you call a heat stroke as well. Sure. Your Excellency, this is, uh, yeah, no, my eyes are wide open. When you started talking about uh, the uh, consumption or a, a level of coffee and uh, caffeine, rather, and, um, and water. So I'm asking myself, so dehydration can be a trigger to heat stroke, yes? Yes, yes, it could be a trigger because remember, when you are exposed to the heat, your kidneys are overframed because they are regulating you. And then you're losing passively a lot of fluid or you're sweating and you're not aware of it. And because you've been taking that stimulant as well, which makes it to to, to, to make you to release more mm. outside your body, from inside your body to outside your body, that's when you become very dehydrated. And the skin will tell you that the, the eyes will also tell you if they're not sunken and the color of your, your eyes will also tell us as well. And in some extreme cases where you have to look at your urine, Mm. We'll also tell you the color of the urine will actually tell us whether you are dehydrated or not. So we also school our people that over and above taking chronic medication have a tendency of looking at your number one, what you're doing, what's the color Mm -hmm. and how often you go per day. And also look at how how much you go to the loo to do your number two Mm -hmm. basis on what type of food you eat. For example, you have eaten cabbage. Cabbage within four hours is already been digested and you can knock on your door to say, go and do number two. Mm -hmm. But if you have eaten maybe something like carbohydrate, like a pop or a sump, that may stay for for the next eight hours before you require to go to the loo. So people need to know their metabolic and their metabolic rate as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your Excellency, what exactly, um, you did say that um, some of the symptoms is, is your skin burning up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's say that, uh, you know, the patient is not yet under medical care, um, but they are experiencing a heat stroke. What does that look like? I wanted to say pathology, but that may not be the right word. But what does that look, <laughs> that, what does that look like physically? Um, how will you know uh, just by looking at me? Uh, that I am probably experiencing a heat stroke. Yeah, one of the other things, probably it may happen in the studio and you're knowing. And one of the other things, in order to look at that, 
would be the persons maybe might be confused and there's no cause. If he's not confused, he might be feeling dizzy and he might not know what's the cause. If he's not feeling dizzy, he might complain of just chronic fatigue, which mm. is that you know, he's been complaining from last week. Mm. On to find out from that week, he's been dehydrating, dehydrating, and not replacing, replenishing enough. Mm-hmm. And, and mm. those are the things that you can see. But, you know, when looking at it, being non-medically trained as well, those complain fatigue, and he might have a fever as well. But if he's having a fever, then you'll see a, a sweat breaking up, which is different from, so from sunburn. If he's been exposed to the sun, not the environment per se, then you find that the skin will be reddish. When you touch the skin, it will be very painful, and he might present with fever. And in some other cases, even if hot, he might begin to shiver. So he might show in some shields as well. Mm-hmm. In extreme cases, he might actually have a syncope, which means he might faint or he might pass on. So, so, so if he passes out, then you might know that he's been exposed maybe to the sun. Mm-hmm. And if it's the sun, we're looking at uh, ultraviolet ray, which got A and B, and which one will be at that particular area where you are, which is the one that is most dangerous. For example, if you're around an uh, equator, your exposure will be more. But if you're down at a tropical island, it will be low as well. But the sun can also cause heat stroke as well. But the sun also, it can also what you call a sunburn. So the difference between a sunburn and a heat stroke mm-hmm. will be the symptoms that, uh, that the patient will be presenting at us as well and the history will tell us that i've been exposed to the sun or i've been exposed to an environment that is extremely hot sure and then we'll be able to tell that and obviously when they get there i hope you guys are well trained in first aid mm. that what you mm. can do mm-hmm. and the best thing that you can do when you see that is passing out you may not give anything nail per mouth and mouth you may not give water you may not uh, give any stimulant like a sweet or something mm-hmm. try and remove him from the hot area, area and make sure that your air condition is at an appropriate level that mm. will cool him down and at this time it's not you getting the cooling down but it's the patient that is lying down that needs to get the best of the cooling area in that time and other thing make sure that your clothing that you're wearing mm. they're also loosening and you can loosen them a little bit as well sure. and in some other cases if he has passed out and you are well trained in what you call cardiopulmonary resuscitation mm-hmm. you may begin to do the resus at that particular time but many times when they start getting the coolant heat coming up mm-hmm. then physiologically the autoregulation can come in as well at that particular moment if he says i'm thirsty then you can start giving water so that he become to, re- to replace himself as well in some other cases, like in sport, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if somebody could collapse because of his stroke as well, we may immerse them what you call in bath ice, in ice baths. Mm-hmm. Immediately the whole body will shock it. And once he gets into that bath as well, he'll be resuscitated and then he'll begin to function and he may require water, he may stop talking, he may start big talking sense as well. Mm-hmm. And in the bath sense, we can also put him about three minutes, not more than that. And we take him out again. If we need to re-emerge again, then we'll do that. Because if you take him for more than three minutes, he might end up with a, with an iceberg, which, wow. yeah, which we tend to avoid at all costs. Your Excellency, and can I just please confess on behalf of everybody um, that, <laughs> you know, when somebody, especially in situations where someone is fainting or losing consciousness do you know that the first thing that we do and i know i'm not the only one that's why i'm saying i'm saying this on behalf of everyone the first thing we do is say bring a glass of water 
<laughs> it's like the first thing that we do you know we want to we want to give that person water you know and sort of um cool them down etc but this is just so helpful absolutely so what's the difference um your excellency between um uh heat stroke uh okay heat stroke high blood pressure and an increased temperature. And I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break, ne? and then we can come back and respond to that because I know that's uh, impromptu. I- I- I'm finding a correlation, but I don't know if I'm right, and I'd like you to help us with that, Doc. Can we take a quick break, my family? Also, just to give you an opportunity to ask your questions. Um, I can't be the only one, you know, asking all these wonderful questions. And also, it's just so fascinating, the session for me on 0826657. 2729 uh, Dr. Madime Diale is our guest this afternoon. Uh, let those questions come through. If you've got any questions, if you've got any instances that uh, we can decipher, let's please do that. Our doc is back with us uh, straight after this break. Umkulego ulungileyo unamandla. Kubega ukulegele iredo pulpit nomsebenzi suwenza uningizm Afrika nomshaba wongi. Receive your dose of inspiration on Thursday Live from 6 to 7 p.m. on Radio Pulpit, 657 a.m. Do you need prayer? WhatsApp your name and your prayer request to 082-657-2729 and our care center will gladly contact you to pray for you. Tune in to Radio Pulpit on 657 AM for reliable Christian talk radio at its best. Find your daily dose of Christ-centered motivation and encouragement on Radio Pulpit 657. Download our app now. Tune in to radiopulpit.co.za or find us on DSTV Audio 882 and OpenView 607. Radio Pulpit, your daily companion for more than 40 years, brings a relevant moral alternative to 400,000 listeners in a variety of South African languages. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and download our podcasts today. You and 657 AM and Life, a winning team on the road to eternity.